Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio. Today's episode is a re-airing of a classic show, and until today it was available only to the Herbal Nerd Society. So myself, Sue, and Candace use this time to harvest herbs and the fruits of summer. Just kick back and relax and enjoy this classic. So on with our sponsors. Our first sponsor this week is Candace Hunter Creations. Candace Hunter Creations, helping you create the holistic, natural lifestyle you want to live. And Occupy Medical. Occupy Medical, a free integrated health clinic, herbalism, and medicine together, and healthcare is a human right. All right. And from Hunter Creation, where they are, they do graphic design and website design to fit your needs, where their motto is, yes, they can do that. And finally, from thepracticalherbalist.com. And I had the website up here, but it disappeared. What's our tag? <laughs> here it is. Practical advice on herbs, herbalism, and the holistic lifestyle. <laughs> That's our sponsors for, the, for this show. The path into herbalism can be a gentle one, but often it begins with a dramatic initiation or a calling so intense it cannot be ignored. Herbalists emerging from such a crucible carry with them a particularly magical way of combining herbs and healing. Today we're talking with clinical herbalist and herbal educator Rosalie Della Foray, author of Alchemy of Herbs, about the transformative power of plants to heal on many levels. Now, here are your hosts, Candace Hunter and Sue Sierra Lupe. I'm Candace Hunter. And I'm Sue Sierra Lupe. And, and welcome, welcome to Real Herbalism Radio. Welcome, Rosalie. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. We're very honored to have you. Yeah. And I'm super excited to hear about your path. You guys, you've been, you've had quite an, an interesting walk into herbs, haven't you? I have. Yeah, that, that introduction was really a beautiful way of um, <laughs> talking about that, too. I appreciated that. So where did you start? Where you, you had a, a we, we went, uh, note to the listeners, we cheated. We already read the book. Yeah, we got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So we noted in there that you were talking about how you had a fairly non-herbal background, but here you are completely immersed in the deep end, as it were, with mm-hmm. herbs. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. You know, I grew up in a household that didn't really use herbs. And um, I would say that I was interested in natural health from a very young age. Like I was definitely kind of a weird kid. And um, I remember like being really excited when I got my driver's license. Could I, because then I could drive myself to the health food store. Oh my and, God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my kind of gal. <laughs> and I, they, um, I remember, you know, in like in one of the aisles, they had like their books and they had the prescription for um, nutritional healing. healing. Yes. Yeah. And so they had that book there and you could, you know, it was like a reference book and I would just sit there in the aisle and read the book. <laughs> and, um, I remember like checking out vitamins and minerals for dummies from the library and like making flashcards <laughs> out of it. Um, so I was interested in it, but I can't, you know, I still wasn't like necessarily using herbs a lot. It was just kind of like this thing that I found really interesting. And, um, and so I went on with my life and went, went to college and, um, study foreign languages. And after college, my life took a really sharp right turn in that um, I thought I was going to go travel the world and teach English as a second language. But I became really interested in uh, the natural world and wilderness skills. And I, I started going to a school uh, in Washington State. And it was a primitive living skills school is what they call it. But I was um, I studied everything there, but I became more and more fascinated 
with plants. One of the head teachers there is an ethnobotanist and basket maker. And it was this really transformative process where I began to see, you know, having grown up in um, generally smaller cities, but growing up in cities primarily, I, my focus became more and more attuned to the natural world. And I was spending more and more time out in the wilderness, out hiking, out camping, and all the while learning about plants and studying with an ethnobotanist was a really special thing because it, we weren't just like reading about uh, reading about herbs. We were more actively in the field, uh, looking at herbs, harvesting herbs, using them as food. Uh, Karen, my teacher, was so great. You know, we, it was always about the practical use. It was always about bringing them into our lives. So I was doing that and it was still kind of like this hobby thing, you know, it was on this thing that I was loving. It was this transformative thing. It was new. It was exciting. I felt like I was having these paradigm shifts of just recognizing, um, our role in the greater world out there beyond the cities. And, uh, while I was going to that school, I started to get this really, uh, mysterious illness. It started off with this rash that would move around my body. Like one day it would be on my thighs and the next day it would be on my arms. And, um, oh and I kind of just ignored it. You know, I was like, well, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like, I don't, I don't know what to do about that. So I just ignored it. And then I started having like joint pains here and there, like bilateral joint pains. And, you know, I didn't, I, now that's such a huge clue to me, but back yeah. then I was kind of like, oh, that's weird. Like maybe yeah. I, you know, was making the basket too roughly, right. you know, I, I just <laughs> yeah. kind of ignored it. And, um, but after several months, I, I woke up, I remember the day it was February 4th and I woke up and I had this I, pain so intense over my whole body that I could barely move. And I had a really high fever. And because I had a fever, I, I thought I had the flu. And it was a weird fever though. I would, the fever would ramp up during the day until it, I'd take my temperature before I went to sleep at night and it was always 104. And then I'd wow. wake up in the morning and my temperature would be 99. Oh. And I'd, I'd think, well, okay, I'm getting better. Um, but that went on for a month. And, oh God. Um, <laughs> and the whole time, I mean, I just had to put a full stop on my life and uh-huh. I just laid in bed. I couldn't even hold a book. I'm like a wow. lifetime reader, right? But it was, that's how intense oh. the pain was. And the whole time I just really had, I was young. I had no idea what was going on. I didn't have health insurance. I, um, you know, I was just, I just, I thought I had the flu. And then at some point it was like, oh, okay, this is, this is more than that. This is more than that. Mm -hmm. And, um, clearly what actually ended up, yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, so what happens, I actually ended up getting so dehydrated and, um, you know, I had friends who are helping to take care of me and, and get me food and stuff, but, in the end, yeah, I just kind of succumbed to that. And, um, I started blacking out and, um, you know, just thought the only thing I could do was go to the bathroom and I I would black out on the way to the bathroom. So So I ended up, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I I went to the local clinic that I used to go to. It was like a low income clinic and I went there first and they ended up putting me on the ambulance to the hospital. Yeah. (laughs) So this is kind of a long drawn out story. I didn't mean to get so into it, but I basically the long and the uh, short of it is that um, spent four days in the hospital and they did all sorts of crazy tests because they had no idea what was going on. Mm-hmm. And because I was doing this like weird wilderness school stuff, they, they figured it was uh, an environmental you know, they, allergy. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So they tested me for a lot of really kind of exotic diseases and a lot of strange stuff. And 
I remember the nurse coming in for more blood and I would like joked, like, I don't have any more to give. <laughs> um, but it, it took them a couple of weeks, but in the end they came up and they said, well, you have an autoimmune disease and it's really rare. And so we don't know anything about it. And, oh, um, awesome. <laughs> they, they handed me a brochure and they said, here's a brochure on it. And they said there was a Yahoo listserv that I could join. <laughs> and, um, and that was it. And support at for the, the time that was very, it's very scary and it was very frustrating. Yeah. And it was also like the best gift they could have given me mm-hmm. yeah. uh, to like close the door in my face, essentially, because <laughs> immediately I was like, you know, I, I definitely, I took it very hard at first. Okay. I mean, they gave me that. So the kind of the big thing too, is that they said that I probably wouldn't live past the age of 40. You know, there was no God. cure. This is it. Oh God. So I immediately was just like, okay, well, there has to be more answers out there for me because Western medicine has no answers. And I just wasn't willing to accept that. So it just immediately, I was able to just kind of let go of Western medicine in that sense and really seek out other answers. And so that became this process. And through that process, you know, I did a lot of self-research, but I also had a team of people, you know, I was working with from naturopaths to acupuncturists, herbalists and, um, And so through that process, I was already really open to using plants because of my wilderness skill, you know, skills school. And, but it really was this huge paradigm shift for me because I went from thinking of like, oh, this is my weekend hobby. And, you know, this is uh, something that's cutesy and fun to something that became, I began to see the power in it and how this could really have answers in today's world for really serious chronic issues like I had. Well, I mean, that is, that's truly a crucible. I mean, the fever and everything. You know, you burned away a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and it became a survival school for many different reasons. Not right. just survival in the wilderness, but survival that's, in your own body. Very true, yeah. Hmm. So that's that started you off. And so what became the first herb that you used for that successfully? You know, for that illness, I honestly don't know. Because at the time, I wasn't... Um, I didn't know clinical herbalism at all. You know, I, I was studying ethnobotany. And so uh-huh. that was like going out into the field, looking at, you know, herbs in the wild and then using them. Right. And so the herbs I did use for the illness were I was going to a um, five element acupuncturist and they were giving me these like just horrible Chinese herbal decoctions. Obviously, <laughs> I, say that, I say that with love because yes. they were, mm-hmm. you know, tremendously helpful to me. But man, did they taste bad. Like I would yes. brew them up and I would sit by and I would take it by the um, sink. So I'd like take a shot of the tea and then take a chaser of apple juice mm-hmm. and then like just sit by the sink and hope that it just stayed down. Oh, <laughs> I mean, it tasted so bad. It was so horrible. So oh those are the herbs that I really took, you know, during mm-hmm. that time. Just formulas. Um, and I didn't really, you know, it was Chinese formulas and I, I didn't really know what was in them. Um, Did you work with a, right. a, a traditional Chinese medicine prescriber or? How did yes. You... Yeah. I was working with acupuncturists who also did herbs. And nice. I do remember, I just kind of, I'm just remembering this now. I went to a naturopath and I had ended up taking some um, prednisone that the, that that's one thing the doctors did recommend is that I take prednisone. They told me it would, it's a steroid. They told me it would stop working after a while, mm-hmm. but I should take it. And so I did. And um, when I saw the naturopath, she recommended that I take um, ashwagandha to help with my adrenals. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I'd never heard of ashwagandha in my life before. Mm-hmm. And I remember she gave me a bottle of capsules, you know, and told me to take one capsule three times a day. Um, 
which is funny because I, I would never personally recommend that now. Mm-hmm. This is just, you know, very small dose, you know, right. like taking this. Um, but I, I remember doing that um, as well. And it, it probably helped. <laughs> <laughs> well, here you are living to tell the tale. So oh, you, yeah. you went, you know, you went through the disease and you came out of that and you had learned how to care for yourself. What pushed you the further way to actually seeking a clinical background? Was it just like natural? Of course, you know, now that I've cured myself, I must, or. Yeah, it was like that. And, um, yeah, I come from a family of teachers and I've just always seen myself as becoming a teacher. And I, so I think that was part of it. And I, you know, the, that experience for me was so transformational. I mean, it was just like before the illness, I saw the world, you know, with this color lens. And then I went through this illness and I used herbs and it was this just transformative thing to think, to go from thinking that herbs or alternative health is this kind of like, you know, just, it wasn't for real serious things. Like, of course, Western medicine is for serious things. Right. And just to realize that Western medicine actually doesn't have, it's amazing as it is, it doesn't have every answer answers for chronic issues. Right. And, um, so that was just this huge mind shift for me. And my thought was there must be other people like me who are going through this. Like on Uh, your Yahoo group. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, that was kind of, that was actually a blunder I made (laughs) because, you know, when we're like young herbalists and maybe even perhaps later, but I was so excited to tell these people like, I have the answers. (laughs) I had gone through this, you know, healing period and, and I was just like ridiculed and people just really slammed me, which I can kind of see why, like I'm, I admit that I just didn't probably handle it very well because in my excitement, you know, but Mm -hmm. I basically go into this listserv and I'm like, Oh, it's all about your diet and you got to eat these herbs and you got to make your vitamin D levels, you know, are good. And, and people were just like mad almost, you know, and just, and so that was the end of that. Well, process. I mean, you were you were confronting them with some stuff that was definitely they did, probably didn't want to hear because choosing yeah. to change your diet that radically is something most of us don't want to do. Well, and it's also yeah. insulting. It's something you tried every single thing, and someone says, "Ah, oh, did you try not eating crappy food?" You just want to punch yeah. him. Yeah, <laughs> you just yeah. Punch I him. really did. I did not approach it in a very. Yeah. I was so green, you know, and I was just enthusiastic, and I just I can see that I did not approach it in a very good way. So. At that That's point, youth. at that point, had you already learned about like constitutional types and herbal energetics, or was that still a piece that you had yet to learn? Yeah, that so that I um, learned much later, and yeah. it was interesting to learn it later and recognize that that's what the people who I were seeing were doing because it's like you go to I went to Western medicine is like I have autoimmunity, and they're like, oh, there's no cure for that, and that that's where that ended, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But I went to see these acupuncturists, these herbalists, these naturopaths, and and I'm like, oh, I have autoimmunity, and they're like, that's nice. Who are you? Yeah. You know, what are, yeah. what are you going through? You know, mm-hmm. what is, what is your story? What is your yes. full picture of health? And, right. your and disease that was doesn't a big shift. And, and that's right. And, the, you know, they didn't say like, oh, there's no cure for that because they weren't trying to cure that. You no. know, they were saying they were looking at it in such a different perspective. So yeah. I recognize now that more of that was going on, um, you know, and unbeknownst to me, you know, the right. um, energetics, whether we're dealing with hot and cold, which I'm sure the Chinese practitioners were, or just holistic or energetics from a, you know, that larger point of view. Right. So, um, 
you know, I love studying ethnobotany with my teacher. And uh, I'm so glad that was my entry way into herbalism because it was so hands-on and it was actually getting out in nature um, and really just getting to know plants on that one-on-one basis. But after that, I decided to study more clinical herbalism. And so I ended up going to the School of East-West uh, Herbology with Michael and Leslie Tierra. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, um, and I studied with Paul Bergner, just long distance, but I just soaked up everything I could from Paul Bergner. I started going to every conference I could possibly make it to and, uh, you know, soaking up all that. Um, I, I would buy any book that I could possibly afford, um, beg the library to order in books uh, (laughs) that way. Uh, and then I, um, did my clinic after I, I did a four-year certi- uh, certification with the East-West School of Herbology. And I finished that up with a um, clinical practice and mentorship with Carter Pertic Singh Khalsa. Mm-hmm. He's, and, and he specializes in Ayurvedic, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we see that yeah. influence in your book a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of like the book definitely has like a, a broad blend of all of my yeah. different teachers mm-hmm. and how that come together. And then I've also... Um, studied a lot with Jim McDonald, who I'm very proud to call my friend, uh, but I really like to soak up all of his information too. And he has a very practical way of sharing about herbs and herbal energetics. And, um, so I really, even though I've never, you know, I haven't been able to go to Jim's school per se, I think he has a really profound influence on a lot of my work too. Yeah. He's a solid guy yeah. and, a, and a wicked sense of humor. <laughs> and a wicked sense of humor. <laughs> Oh, wow. That's quite the journey. So what is it that you feel like you pulled the most out of your experience that you seem to come back to over and over again? Two things come to mind. One is what I already talked about it and that when we, it's like we've grown up in this culture that diagnoses and treats disease or tries to anyway. Treats (laughs) symptoms of disease anyway. Treats Mm -hmm. symptoms of disease. Yeah. And I think herbalism is incredibly relevant in today's world because it doesn't do that. Um, at its best, I would say, you know, it, it looks at the person. It says, how can this person, what is going on for this person? How can this person be helped? And uh, I think when it's practiced at its best, that isn't just about using herbs, but about all of these other holistic practices that come to mind, like, um, you know, does the person hate their job? That can have a major impact on someone's health if they're spending five days a week, you know, 10 hours a day or whatever the case might be at a place that they hate. Like that's, that's a severe impact on our lives and looking at diet, looking at movement and also looking at things like, do they spend time in nature? You know, are, is their life purpose fulfilled? So I think that that, um, I still take that with me and, and I, you know, as a, I get asked all the time, what herb is good for blank? And, Mm -hmm. um, which is a natural question, right? Because that's the world we live in. Right, we use, right. we use, we take that one pill for that one disease and uh, hope for the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, so that's where I see that I took a lot out from my own process and just trying to help people understand that it's not about substitute substituting that one herb for that one pharmaceutical pill, but it's about thinking about health in a dramatically different way and how we can infuse our life with health-serving practices uh, and joyfully too. Um, <laughs> That's one thing I really love about herbalism is that and it kind of brings me to my second point is that herbalism, especially, you know, when I talk about herbalism, it can mean so many different things, but I think of 
the herbalists who have their hands in the dirt, the herbalists who are out connecting with the plants, whether they're gardening them or wildcrafting them or just spending time with them. Uh, there's a large part of herbalism that's about taking capsules or, you know, going to the health food store and buying supplements. Um, but what really excites me and what really speaks to that deeper meaning in life is reconnecting with the awe and the inspiration of the natural world and recognizing that there's so much wisdom there, so much healing ability there. So I really, through my process, I took both of those things into account because I, I had that transformative experience while I was getting back to my roots in nature, um, while also understanding that health and disease are so much more than what pills we take. Wow. Well, that's quite the takeaway. So <laughs> now we're going to have a word from our sponsor. Now a word from Thomas Easley about the Journal of Functional Herbalism. The Journal of Functional Herbalism is a free online journal promoting the integration of traditional Western herbalism, clinical nutrition, and functional medicine. It's published by the Eclectic School of Herbal Medicine, and you can find the Journal of Functional Herbalism at functionalherbalism.com. Thank you. Thank you, Rosalie. I appreciate you pointing, pointing that out. I think that's a, a lesson that a lot of people have to learn the hard way. Yeah, I think, I, I think to me that connection between the plants and nature and your life and, and the natural rhythms of life, I mean, that is so, so very important. I mean, it, it's, and I think it's at the heart of the disease culture that we have right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have even simple things like in the city, the lights are on all the time. Mm -hmm. You cannot, if you mm -hmm. live in the city, you probably most nights cannot tell the difference between a full moon and a dark moon because it's always bright all right. night long. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that disrupts not only our circadian rhythms, but that of all the animals, all the insects, all the plants, everything is disrupted with that constant. So, you know, even something as simple as learning how to make your room darker so that you sleep better. Right. You know, mm -hmm. That might be what you need for insomnia, not some valerian root. Right. As much right. as I love yeah. valerian. I mean, it's one of my favorites. But, <laughs> yeah, you, know. you, know, you love that one. I, I, I like the flower better. Yeah. Valerian flower is my favorite. I think the one of the things that I keep, when I was listening to you talk, I was thinking of, because I work in a free clinic and we see about half of the population we see is unhoused. And so many people have come in with the mm. same situation where they're like, I'm in pain can you help me with my pain? And what they've done is they've gone to other clinics before and what the doctor or, you know, whatever prescriber said is, well, here's something that will numb it. The person mm -hmm. that is unhoused doesn't need something to numb their pain. They need a prescription for a home. Yeah. They need yeah. help getting to the point where they can they can access some other things in the community so they can get a shower so they can feel good about themselves so they can get their feet on the ground. And that doesn't come on a prescription pad. Mm -hmm. uh, those are the kind of questions that as herbalists, by the time they come to our integrated health qu um, clinic, those are the questions that we're asking all the time. And those are questions they should have been asked a long time ago, just because a person's mm -hmm. coming into the clinic and they're dressed nicely they're dressed nicely for that day because they know from experience they will get more help if they look good, yeah, quote unquote good. So they're they're using their resources to get that kind of good help. And what we're offering is I'm going to give you a bunch of questions and you tell me what's going on with your life and let's just fix them. Be honest with me. You know, I don't mm -hmm. want to spend my time trying to fix a ghost. Tell me what's mm -hmm. happening with you. 
and that the the physical effect that I see on people after just getting those questions and getting them an opportunity to talk about what's really happening with their entire life, not with just their symptoms, they physically change. You know, their facial mm. features change, their body demeanor changes, they become more vulnerable. They understand that they're really there to get help, yeah. not just to mask something. It's 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 significant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really important work. Yep. Yeah, I imagine you've seen in your own practice a lot of people really who ha- who are coming to you like the, you're the first non-Western medicine stop on their list of people to try, and you probably see them change dramatically from just the beginning of when you sit down with them in the clinical setting to the time when they're going home. Hmm. Yeah, I do. I tend to have either like one or the other. The um the people who I'm like their first stop after they've tried a lot of, you know, Western medicine pathways, generally they're referred by a friend, you know, who believes yeah. in herbs and they, they come kind of like, <laughs> oh. well, you know, like aunt Jane said, I needed to come see you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I, yeah, I see those. And then I also see, you know, people who are very ver- well versed in using herbs as well. Nice. There's a nice part of that in that we're, I think with Western medicine, it's true to like the Seven Eleven of, of medicine. Like yeah. oh, I can just pop in here and get this little piece or, and then pop out again. And and that's not really the way herbals work. No. So the kind of the, the luxury part of that, that we can enjoy is that we are, we have people that they, they have had some, they've had some trouble and they have tried a lot of stuff. So now they're willing to sit down and spend that time, which Mm -hmm. no, they're not used to spending. So all of that kind of pushed you into realizing you needed to get the word out and write this here book. Yeah. Yeah. One of yeah, the, the um, oh, go on. The book, the book kind of came to me. Really, I wasn't planning on writing a book, and um, uh, but I was approached by Hay House to write a book, and I thought, well, I'm, I'm not turning down that opportunity. No. So. Yeah, <laughs> goodness sakes. Well, one yeah. of the pieces that I really love about your book is that you're you have a lot of scientific research supporting many of the uses of the various herbs, but. Mm-hmm the book itself is not organized around a scientific approach. It's organized around more of what I think of as more of like an energetic or ish or ish sort of approach, you know, mm-hmm. with, with which all the herbs being grouped by tastes and, and what they do um, from a more energetic perspective. Yeah. Can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit more about that? I think a lot sure. of people might be befuddled by it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, um, yeah, so that, the book, I wanted to write a book that herbalists would love. That that was definitely on my mind. Yeah. But I also wanted to write a book that could be a bridge for people who might not necessarily think of themselves as herbalists um, yet. So nice. I thought of that for people, you know, who are just into natural health in, in general or uh, people who are foodies or, um, you know, just kind of have one, one toe in, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. And so to speak to the scientific studies, that was something I did very purposefully. I actually ended up hiring a research assistant to help me find human clinical trials nice. um, for all of the herbs in the book. And so I didn't, I didn't use, I used a couple uh, in vitro studies. So mm-hmm. outside of the human body studies, but just to kind of make a point or to, um, but very, very seldomly did I do that. And I didn't use any animal studies um, for several reasons, uh, mainly ethics. And also I wanted to show like, this is what we know it can do for humans. Right, um, right. Yeah. So, animals are different. Mm-hmm. Other animals. Right, you know, right. We all have different physiology. 
Right. So in that, I wanted to provide information even for the herbal skeptic. So, you know, when I write each chapter of the book, there's 29 herbs in the book. And for each chapter, each section on the herbs, I pull on a different ways we know about herbs, whether it's from my own experiences, from something I learned from my teachers, from historical texts, and also from, uh, you know, the scientific world and what we know through these human clinical studies. And oftentimes these studies are just confirming what we already know is herbalist because it's been passed down to us one way or another. Yeah. Um, but I wanted that in there specifically for maybe the herbal skeptic or as a way to just really prove to our modern day population um, because they believe in science that, you know, herbs can really do that. So my hope was that someone would read a chapter in the book, say, you know, they'd read about lemon balm, for example, and they'd say, wow, I didn't know herbs could do that. (laughs) Right. And then they would want to use lemon balm. You know, Mm -hmm. that would be the next thing. And I wanted to move the discussion about herbs into like actually using those whole plants, you know, fresh or dried in our lives. So um, a lot of people shaping the herbal discussions today, like not in probably our circles, but (laughs) in others, you know, wider circles is they're saying like, oh, here, and here's this supplement that I'm selling, you know, take, take two capsules and call me in the morning. So I wanted this book to inspire the person to use all these different herbs and then um, incorporate those herbs into their life, into their daily life, whether that's through teas or herbal remedies, like a medicinal syrup uh, or, you know, through foods. There is a lot of food recipes in there, too. Um, But I did want it to be also a bridge for the non-herbalist into the herbal world to think about energetics and to understand that. This isn't necessarily about, you know, like we've been talking about already, taking this one pill for that one problem. Right. Uh, And to understand how we're all different uh, from each other on that energetic sense. So I might feel, you know, warmer and drier from, you know, the next person who feels, you know, colder and has more damp qualities and how that relates to herbalism. Um, And so it is meant to be that bridge and kind of showing people that herbalism is different. It's not about just saying what herb is good for eczema, but how to really tune into yourself and who you are uh, and then use herbs. And so I really, um, there's like a little um, exercise in the book for people to just kind of get that sense of it's just a simple drink, drinking ginger tea to understand, you know, ginger is spicy and it's stimulating and it helps move things and, and um, that is a more profound understanding of ginger. And when we understand it like that, we can use it on so many different reasons as opposed to like just memorizing a list of things yeah, it starts you know, that to it make may more, or may not be good for. It becomes, yeah, it starts to make more like palpable sense. Mm-hmm. That was one of the pieces I, I really loved. It's because it's because you've taken the herbs and you've put them into like met, matched them with the tastes and then talked about what the tastes and energetics do. It helps make that connection when, when the idea, I mean, some of the, some tastes are kind of obvious, you know, rose hips, they taste sour. They're in the sour taste, cayenne, mm-hmm. pungent, hot. It's kind of, but then there's this, this one, the one, the, the one that I think is amazingly good choice for trying to explain how weird yet not weird the energetics are is the nettle one, which is in salty. Mm-hmm. And I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, you don't think of yourself as like, you don't pick up a leaf of nettle and say, oh my God, it's so salty. I need to go drink a bottle. <laughs> it's like that pizza I had last night is so salty, you know, <laughs> uh-huh. but, but there it is. And I, you know, can you explain why nettle is in salty? Can you, can you like <laughs> make sense sure, of that? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you said, some herbs are very obvious to us. Um, 
And we're just, oh yeah, I get that. Um, and some herbs, especially in the salty and in the sweet category are a little like, wait, what? Yeah. Uh, yeah. How does that work? <laughs> so when we classify herbs by their taste, and this is something that's done in Chinese medicine, it's done in Ayurveda medicine to this day. And it was historically done in Western um, medicine a bit more than it's done today. So Western herbalists are kind of reclaiming this um, more. Um, but the idea is that herbs are classified not just by the taste of like what it feels like on our tongue, mm -hmm. but also what the, what the herb does. So with nettle, it doesn't have, like you said, a salty taste, like say seaweed would, which is also a salty plant, Yeah, but it has what we call a mineral taste. And so it tastes, it has that like green nutrient taste to it. And so other herbs that are like that, um, could be, well, another vegetable would be kale. It has that same kind of taste or um, chickweed has that same kind of mineral taste to it. So once you start tasting the plants a lot, you I could understand more of like what that means, or even if you just think about it a lot, if you already have tasted plants a lot, you can understand what that means. So it's, I talk about that, that it's not necessarily we're tasting salt, but we're understanding that this is a nutrient dense plant that has a lot of um, oftentimes minerals in it. Yeah, as I was saying, and, the salty taste is usually about tons of minerals and nutrients. So what it mm -hmm. does in your body is like very nourishing. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, nettle is a great, great example of that. <laughs> you talk so, about some of these plants on here that you just said that, well, when you wouldn't necessarily put them immediately in the in the department that you've put them in, but that has to do with tasting for something uh rose hips is something you guys mentioned as being sour and i'm i'm shaking my head like i, I just immediately define that one as being sweet that's something i put in my granola is rose uh -huh. hips so <laughs> but i also know as being someone who for a living tasted yeah. and defined uh herbs for a company i i know to let that sit on your tongue a little bit and there's a lot you know, these, these, they don't have to fall under our definitions. Right. They have a myriad of flavors. Right. I could have maybe chosen of, hibiscus as sour because that's oh, one that that's is pretty sour. universal. That yeah. one's down. Yeah. <laughs> that one's pucker power. But, but I'm glad that you did mention that one because it, it's, it's complex. Like Shazandra, the five flavors, which one do you pick? Yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe yeah. that would be good for um, someone with a variety of different things that they need balancing and for someone that needs some sweet and some, some, uh, sour, then there's your rose hips right there. Cause they have a variety of different flavors. So that's getting to know the herb, getting to know the person and then placing that in the right environment with the, the, um, minstrum or the carrier that you're wanting to put it through either that's honey or capsules or teas or the variety huge variety of stuff that you've got listed yeah. here as options and i think mm -hmm. that's one thing that people also might be startled about when they look through your book is like that's herbal medicine you know i, mm -hmm. I thought it was just some foul brew like well it can be <laughs> it certainly can be <laughs> but it's a it's a diversity of different types you know you've got your parsley and cilantro pesto I'm looking at your book here at uh, page, I'm going to use my glasses, 137. There's a nice, uh, beautifully packed uh, pesto recipe. And this is, this is medicine. It's delicious. Medicine, <laughs> right? But that's something that people need to remember too, is medicine ain't no good unless it goes in the body. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. And here's a variety of different ways to try it. 
So I really appreciate how diverse you have this book for folks. They don't just have to try one particular thing. It must have mm-hmm. been a blast for you to do the recipe research. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, that's um, yeah. I've been writing recipes for um, herbs for a long time now. Basically, um, it started about eleven years ago. Um, my friend John Gallagher asked me if I wanted to write a um, a newsletter for his company called Learning Herbs about, and he said, you can do it on whatever you want. And at the time I was making a lot of rosehip syrup and um, so oh, I'll do it on rosehip syrup. And that, that was kind of like, you know, the beginning of a very long <laughs> relationship um, <laughs> of, you know, and it really like got me started into this like recipe based herbalism as well. And so in writing this book, I definitely felt like, oh, this is what I've been doing for the past 11 years. I'm <laughs> just further refining the process. Wow. That's amazing. And yeah. How long have you been working with him? Did you say? 11 years. Gosh, that is a, a long decade. time. And you guys have yeah. done so much together. I'm really pleased to see the results of that relationship through Learning Herbs because it's more than just the, I mean, I had mentioned the webinars before, yeah. but that's just the tip of the iceberg. Your, your site is beautiful too. Mm, yeah. 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 We have a, um, an amazing graphic designer that's part of our um, company now, Jan Bozeman. And so he's all of the beautiful aesthetics are definitely due to him. Nice. nice. That's nice. good. It's good to have a diversity of talents on your crew. So if folks want to be finding mm-hmm. you, how do we, how do they contact you? Besides, obviously they should, you know, use the links on our show notes to go buy your book. Duh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, <laughs> but beyond that, how, how do we want, how do folks want to get a hold of you? Yeah, so um, I have my personal website, which is herbswithrosalie.com. And on there, you know, the discussion about herbal energetics and all that kind of stuff is new. Actually, I have a little uh, free course on my website that you can take about herbal energetics and figuring out if you're hot or cold or damp or dry. So nice. I also have lots of herbal recipes and um, herbal monographs on my site, too. So there's lots to cook around on on there. And um, you, we mentioned Learning Herbs. So learningherbs.com is... Uh, another great website with lots of recipes by me and um, and kind of see the full array of everything Learning Herbs offers. Lovely. And then are there, do you have Facebook or do you have any social media? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely, um, I'm most active on Facebook, uh, which I'm sure it's Herbs with Rosalie is my business on there, um, or people can follow my personal account. And um, I'm also on Twitter as well and Pinterest and um, all of, but I think those are the three main ones for now. Sure, sure. And then, if someone wanted to email you or contact you, I assume the contact they could find you through herbswithrosalie.com. Yeah, that's the best okay. way. And then we'll put those that information on our show notes as well. Great. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for being with us. I really appreciate it, and and congratulations on the publication of Alchemy of Herbs. It's been a real pleasure having you here. Thank you very much for having me. The statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA. They're not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. 
Always consult with healthcare professional before starting any new vitamins, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication, or if you have or suspect you might have a health problem. Any testimonials, questions, or case studies are based on individual results and do not constitute a guarantee that you will achieve the same results.